Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. I want to highlight just a couple of scriptures before I really dive into the text and uh, the scriptures that I'm about to read. These are somewhat uh, controversial texts um, in the world for sure. But even in Christendom, these these few scriptures are often debated about. And um, the first one I want to highlight is Proverbs twenty two fifteen, where it says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod, somebody shout the rod, the rod, the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And, and my dad believed in matter of fact, the old man is on the front row. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 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 My, my daughter, my youngest daughter, um, I was doing something the other day and, and she said she said, and my, my dad was in there. She said, I'm going to get Poppy to whoop you. And, and I just had some flashbacks. <laughs> I told him I'd choke him out before he <laughs> choke him out. So here, here's, a, here's another one. Here's another one. Again, a, a controversial text. Um, Proverbs 23:13. It says, Without, withhold not correction from the child. <laughs> and my dad used to quote this, praise the Lord. For if thou beatest him. And he used to say it just like that, beatest Son, I'm going to beatest you if you don't stop. If, you, if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall, you ain't going to die. Hush, you ain't going to die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from what, y'all? Now, let's press pause. Before I explain what the text is, is saying, let's, let's highlight what it's not saying. First of all, it is not saying that God is advocating abuse of children. Somebody shout, the devil is a liar. If you're abusing babies, you need to go to jail. Uh, y'all with me? Uh, matter of fact, it trips me out. Some of the stuff that I see on TV, baby, a uh, woman drowned her baby, and, and you know, I'm, I'm tripping because the baby did, but you still alive. So, so God is not advocating abuse of children. Watch this. Neither does it apply the phrase rod of correction figuratively. So he is talking about uh, a, a physical uh, chastisement in this particular text. We know it as corporal punishment. Now, I need y'all to help me out just for a second because, again, this is a controversial topic. How many of you guys, like me, grew up in an uh, uh, elementary school where they applied, literally applied the Board of Education? <laughs> I want to help somebody in this place. So, so, so the kids are like, what is that? What, what is the Board of Education? Let me show you what the Board of Education is. It, it's, so in this, day, in this day and time, if you really cut up, if you really cut up, you get a three-day vacation. Three days. But w when I was growing up, if you really cut up, you went in a principal's office, they beat your butt, they, they gave you time to get, your, get, your, get yourself together, and then they sit you back in your class, and guess what? You acted right. And watch this. It was no school shootings. <laughs> the dropout rating wasn't high like it is today because they applied the boy. Now, now watch this. Out of those who raised your hand that they, you know, they, they did that in your school, how many of y'all met the board of Educate right here, right here, right here. yeah, yeah. Huh? So, 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 watch this. And again, in my house, man, we, my, my parents, they believed in it. Praise the Lord. And my parents, they were actually nicer. They'd let you go pick out your switch, which one you go. <laughs> I'd find the smallest, skinniest thing out there, and that was the worst choice because it's something about them little things. You understand? So, and, and it not, my mama didn't do this, but maybe, maybe y'all mama used to say this. I hated it when I heard my friends talk about it. But my friend's mother, they used to say, I'm only doing this 
the devil is a liar. You know? No, no. Because if you love me, you'll give me a break. But it's interesting because Jesus says, those whom I love, guess what I do? I whoop their butt. I sure do. I, I discipline them and I, I correct them. Now, now understand, and, and I need you guys to embrace this as parents, as, as, as leaders, as bosses, or whatever. Anybody in a, an authoritative position, no matter what, what, what position it is, there is some form of discipline that you must apply, whether it's your employees, whether it's your children, or whatever. You need to understand the purpose of, somebody shout, godly discipline. I ain't talking about that crazy stuff. Godly discipline is to stop a bad behavior from becoming a worse lifestyle. Let that hang out there for a second. So when you're actually disciplining your children, when you're actually disciplining your employees, it's not so much about what they did. You know, if, if I don't check, the, if I don't associate some type of pain with this behavior in just a moment, this thing is going to get even worse than what it is right now. Are y'all with me in this place? So, so what Jesus is saying to this church, because Jesus is talking to the church, he says, there is some discipline that's coming your way, and it's not because I hate you. It's not because I'm done with you. The reason I am disciplining you, because this is bad, be somebody shout bad behavior. Bad. Now, now, let's press, press pause for a second, because the type of behavior I'm going to highlight, um, it kind of reminds me of what my, my, how my kids are sometimes, because when I'm, I'm really, um, sometimes I'm really hard on my kids, and, and they're looking like, but, but dad, I just did they're like, why am I getting in trouble for, I just did, okay? And when you look at what they're going to do compared to the other churches, like um, I believe that's Thyatira that had Jezebel sleeping with everybody in the church and didn't nobody say nothing. Amen. That girl was just laying it down everywhere, praise the Lord. Amen. And the leaders didn't say nothing. Leave her alone. <laughs> My turn next, the devil is alive. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Leadership didn't say nothing. So, so they ain't got nothing like that. They ain't got nothing like Balaam, where he's actually teaching the doctrine of this, this extreme grace. He, they ain't got nothing like that. Or the church of Ephesus, where they hated folks. They left their first love. Yeah. So, so it's not that extreme, but he said, there is some bad behavior, and if I don't, if I don't do something about it, this is going to become worse. Are y'all with me in this place? So this is what I want to do. I want to highlight the two behaviors that they're performing that Jesus said, it's, it might not be as bad as that. But if I don't do something about it right now, it's going to become much worse in the future. Are y'all ready for this? Here's the first behavior. Y'all are ready for this. Amen. Praise the Lord. He says, verse number 15, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So this bad behavior is this lukewarm uh, attitude that you have concerning this relationship. Now, let me uh, introduce two perspectives of this particular text, and I, I embrace the first per uh, perspective, but I've kind of changed um, after studying a little bit deeper. My, my first perspective is like this. I'll tell you guys about this time I broke up with this girl. Actually, she cheated on me, and then I told her it was over. <laughs> it was, that's really what it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, ooh-wee. Have flashbacks right now. I'm back, I'm back, praise the Lord. So I was a sophomore, mom, and my girlfriend was a senior. <laughs> Sub G. Who you date? <laughs> Who I'm dating? <laughs> so, so I thought I just thought I had it going on, man. 
And uh, this, this one day, we, we were supposed to go to the fair together, and then I couldn't make the fair for some reason. I probably don't punish me or something. I don't know. But I uh, <laughs> couldn't make the fair. And uh, one of my, my buddies, <laughs> I wish he was here. I could clown and forget for real. Uh, Corey Dorsey. Some of y'all know Corey. Corey got to go to the fair. And I was at the house. Corey called me. He said, hey, G, where you at, dog? I said, man, I'm at the house. He said, no, you ain't. You at the fair. I said, no, I ain't, I ain't at the fair. No, no you at the fair. And you, you got a real high top. Boy, I didn't know your hair was that high. You got a, and you darker, too. I don't know why you so dark, but yeah, you at the fair. I said, Corey, man, I'm at home, bro. No, dog. Your girl at the fair with you, but you just look different. I, I'm like, man, what are you talking about? He just said it plainly. Greg, she cheating on you. I was like, no, 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 no. I remember that mama just held me to sleep that night. She said, it's going to be okay, baby. It's going to be okay. No, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this. This is what came to my mind when I thought about this. I wish we was hot, meaning 100. But because of the pain in my heart, I wish I never would have met you. So either we 100 or nothing at all. So when I first approached the text, I thought that's what God was saying. He's saying, he's saying, I wish we was hot. Man, I saved you. I redeemed you. I filled you with my spirit. You got to get out of hell free pass because of me. How you going to get with me and be half? I wish I would have never saved you. I, I thought that's what he was saying in the text, but, but, but understand, when you really dive into it and you understand the culture of that particular time, the, 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 the geography and what was going on in the church of Laodicea or the city itself of Laodicea, they had a, they had a problem with water. They had a water problem. And, and when he says, I wish you would rather hot or cold, he was saying, I can use hot water because of the weather that comes, it's freezing weather, and water, hot water is good for not only sterilizing things, but it also keeps the body at a, at a regulated temperature. But not only can I use hot water, I can also use cold water, because when it's real, real hot, I can be a refreshment to you. So he's saying, I wish I could use you, but I can't because you lukewarm. In essence, he's saying, I want to use you, but you won't, you won't let me. Why, why, watch this, watch this, watch this. What, what's your name, ma'am? What's your name? Hey, Rhonda. You look like a Rhonda. You look like a Rhonda. Watch this. I don't know you, Rhonda. All I, knew, all I do know is that God want to touch your life. I do know that. So, so watch this, watch this. When God gets ready to touch your life, understand as the body of Christ, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. So what that means is God is not coming out of heaven to do nothing. If he's going to do something, he's going to do it through us and not for us. Do you understand? So, so if God wants to touch, I want to help somebody in this place. Watch this, watch this. Touch, 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 touch my hand, touch my hand, touch my hand. Reach back and touch her. Reach, reach back. Right there, right. Do me a favor. Reach back and touch Rhonda. God want to touch you. Let, let her hand go. Let her hand go. Let her hand go. Let her, let her come put your hand up. God want to touch somebody. It's interesting. I told you to let your hands go. I ain't tell you. What had happened was. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, God wants you to be available. 
So this, this issue of being hot or being cold, it's all about being available. And let's get straight to the point here. Sin is the epitome of a self-willed lifestyle. And whenever you have a self-willed mindset, God is talking to you, but you listen to somebody else. I'd rather you be hot or cold. He says, I know, ooh, this is so good, this is so good. He says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot, this is so good, my God, neither hot nor cold. Uh, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Understand what this term or this idea of spitting you out of his mouth, you have to look at it within the context of the text. The context is, I want you to be usable because I can use hot water and I can use cold water. So if you're going to remain lukewarm, this is what I'm going to be forced to do. I'm about to give your assignment to someone else. And, and there's some people up in here. I know I'm, pre I'm preaching better than y'all responding right now. Watch this. God speaks to Jeremiah, and he says, before you, before you were formed in your mother's belly, before you came out of her womb, I had already ordained you to be a prophet unto the nation. God says, before you ever got here, I had something special in store for you. And understand, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So, so whoever your neighbor is in front of you, behind you, on the side of you, God is saying that I have something in store for you. And if you will not allow me to use you, what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to reassign somebody to do what you were born to do. Yeah. That's messed up. Under, understand, understand. Even right now, Pops, there are some things that I'm experiencing in my life right now, and I believe, I believe some of the stuff that I'm experiencing in my life right now is not because I'm so special. It's not because I'm so chosen. I believe that I'm working on my assignment and somebody else's that refuse to allow God to use them. I'm going to reassign you. He goes a little bit deeper, man. He says, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but, but you, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and, and naked. Give, give me my bag real quickly. I understand that the, the, the book of Revelation, so much of what's in Revelation, again, is rooted in the Old Testament. This, this Revelation, chapter number three, mirrors Genesis, chapter number three. Where God speaks to him in chapter number two, and he says, out of all the trees in the garden, you may freely eat of them, but of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For the day you eat it, you shall surely, you shall surely die. So when we get to chapter number three, the devil, they, have, they can eat of the, the tree of life, and they can live forever. They can eat of the tree of life, or they can eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, what's up with the tree? Was God just being mean? I don't want you to eat of this tree. Understand what the tree of knowledge of good and evil does. It produced a self-willed individual. When I partake of this fruit, which gives me knowledge, then I'm in a position now where I no longer have to rely on God because I know information myself. And God says, I've designed you to always depend on me. You got to hear me in this place. And I know for some of you guys, that's a very, very uncomfortable situation. I had a, I had a brother, I had a brother uh, just a couple of days ago. He told me he had been on a job for nine years. He had been promoted where he was, he was over one of the stores. And he came to me. I asked him, I said, man, how's, how's it going on the job? He said, man, they just sent me an email on Friday and told me we closing the store for good Sunday. Tell all the employees Saturday. Man, that hurt me to my heart. Told my wife, it put, I, I told my wife, I never want to be in a position where I'm at the mercy of people. 
And you got to be careful. You can have such an attitude like that that you will also be that way with God. I never want to be in a position where I can't do something for myself and I have to totally depend on God. But God says, that is where I want you in my, in my perfect hand, depending and, and leaning on me. So when he partook of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, this is what came to their minds. I do not need a thing because I have it myself. I can work it out myself. I can reason it my, myself. <laughs> but after they partook of the fruit, guess what happened? The devil told them you was going to be able to see but they actually became blind and naked. Because this fruit produced a spirit of independence. So God says, you got this thing. He says, you got this thing going on on the inside of you where you are achieving and you are becoming successful. And now you're substituting your success in the world for your relationship with me. Understand, just because things might be going well in your life, that doesn't mean that you're close with God now. And you got to be careful when you define spiritual success with natural success. So you get a check, then God is being God good. But if I lose my job, God must be mad at me. No, you got to be careful with that. Because it could be the bottom is falling out, Joe. But God is sitting back bragging on you. Have you tried? Have you considered my servant, Joe? Lost everything, but he tight with God. So God says, because of this attitudinal thing that you got going on, you, 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 you're lukewarm, you, you, you think you got it going on, but you're really blind, you're wretched, you're, you're naked. He said, I've got to bring about discipline in your life. The scripture declares those who I what, y'all? Those who I love, those are the ones who I rebuke and I discipline. And he's doing it for the purpose because purpose, the purpose of godly discipline is to stop bad behavior. What you're doing is bad, but I don't want it to become worse. Those are the two things that are going on with this church. So this is what God challenges them to do. Whoo, Jesus. First of all, he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and I chastise. So what I want you to do, I want you to earnestly repent. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, be for real this time. Be for, <laughs> be, be for real this time. Be for real this time. <laughs> for real this time. Sometimes with my kids, when I'm getting ready to get them, they, it's like they start making up dances. They start. <laughs> I remember one time, boy, I was about to get a whip, and I started speaking in tongues. I wanted my dad to know I got the holy. I shot by, by, by. She coming in a Hyundai Mitsubishi, Kawasaki Ninja, Nike Reebok. I just, just started speaking in tongues. I, I got it this time. But I wasn't earnest. I just didn't want a whooping. God says, I want you to turn from some things because there's some bad behavior that's going to get worse. You do know that you can't manage sin. Because sin will always take you further than you wanted to go and it'll keep you longer than you intended to stay. And some of y'all trying to man manage sinful behavior when it don't work like that. What did God tell Cain in, in Genesis chapter number four? He says, he says, sin has a desire for you. And when sin has a desire for you, it wants to hold on to you. So there's no such thing as I did it. I'm like, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, forgive me, God. I mean, he will forgive you. But watch this. Now you got something in your heart. The Bible declares if you confess your sin, God is, watch this, he's, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to do what? Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So God forgives you. He doesn't hold what you did against you. But now you need to maintain, you need to sit down and allow him to purge that thing out of your heart and mind that sin did to you. Are y'all with me in this place? 
It's like falling down in the mud. I forgive you for messing up my shoes because you asked me to wear my shoes and you said you was going to take care of them, but you stepped in the mud and you messed up my J's. I forgive you for it, but now I need to clean my J's. That was a good example. I don't even own no J's. <laughs> so this is what God says. He says, I need you to repent. That's the first thing he says. I want you to repent. Here's the second thing he challenges them to do. Verse number 20, he says, here I am. Watch this. I stand at the door. And I knock. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they, they would, I'm, I'm standing. I, I, I need y'all to hear me for a second because I, I, I was kind of confused with this text. I was kind of confused because... This, this scripture right here in the past, Pop, I've used this. This has been a great altar call scripture for people that don't know Jesus. I'm, I'm standing. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart, and he said, come, come, open the door. But the reality is he's writing to the church of Laodicea. So what are you talking about? You standing at the door, and you trying to, you want to come in. They already say, what you, what, you, what you need to come in for? You know what God showed me? He says, if I'm in the house, but they locking me out of certain rooms. It ain't that you ain't saved. I don't have access to the whole house. You know how you do when your in-laws come over for the Thanksgiving. You go to Lowe's Home Depot and you buy a lock for your dough. Come on. So you got access to the kitchen and the living room, but you can't get in my dough. And some of y'all have treated God like you treat You treated God like that. And, and watch, watch this, watch this. I want y'all to hear my heart because every time I preach, this is what I try to do. I really do try to find myself in the text. So nobody ever feel like I'm beating up on them and trying to condemn them. Man, at the end of the day, watch this. I'm giving you all what God has given me. So, Sister Willette, I actually found myself in the text. So, th this is what happened to me. And my pops knows this. It's always good to at least have one somebody in your corner. Just one somebody. And, and, and the old man has been that one somebody in my corner. Because when, when I was growing up, say that at the age of eight, at, at age of eight, I was called to preach when I was 13 years old. And I was so, I, my, my childhood, I had so many crazy things that happened to me as a child. So when I felt God calling me to preach, man, I felt, I, I felt so excited. I was, I was like, you want to use me? Have you seen what I've gone through? You sure? I was so excited that he was, want to use me. So I went and told everybody, man, God calling me to preach. And I'll never forget these group of elders that I went to and I told them that God called me to preach. They literally laughed in my face. They, they, nobody you know. Nobody you know. They literally laughed in my face. And I was so hurt and I was so broken. And this is what I, I made up in my mind. Watch this. Around that time, I picked up this bulldog mentality. What do you mean bulldog mentality? This mentality that said, I'm going to prove to you. You know what they said I couldn't preach? They said I couldn't preach because I can't sing. Yeah, because, you know, the churches that I go around, if you was a good preacher, you, you, had, a, you had to be able. I'm coming. I'm coming to a close. You know what I'm now, I ain't going to lie, I actually tried that one time, and I started coughing so bad, I was like, <laughs> I'm coming. 
I'm coming. <laughs> so I said, all right, God, I ain't playing with you no more. I'm going to be myself. They said, man, you can't, you can't preach. You can't even sing. So I, I said to my, I'm going to prove to you. And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even realize it, but I experienced rejection so many times in my life that my life became about proving stuff to people. And this is what's crazy. All the goals that I was setting, I was achieving them, but after achieving them, I was miserable. And I remember years ago, it was a time God knocked on that door. Will you let me come in there and heal you? No, God, because I got to prove that I can't afford to fail. Because if I fail, that means they're going to be right about me. Would you let me come in there and heal that part of your heart? I don't want healing. I want success so they will know I'm going to be somebody despite their support or not. God, will you let me come in and heal? I didn't even know it. I was stressing my life out trying to prove something to somebody and they didn't even matter. I told, I told my son, I told my son laugh years ago when he went to college and playing ball. I said, son, I told you what God told me. God told me to play for an audience of one. You, you don't even understand. See, some of y'all, I hope, I, I, hope, I hope you enjoy the message. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you get something out of it. And if you get something out of it, nine times out of ten, and I hope you ain't lying if you do come, nine times out of ten, you're going to be like, Rev, I sure enjoyed that word. Don't call me Rev, by the way. Just... <laughs> Because I can't say, yeah, I can't. You, you might say, Reb, I enjoyed the, the, the message, and, and watch that. And, and if you say that, that's okay. But I learned years ago when God started dealing me with this word, preach for an audience of one. Preach to me until you hear me say, well done. So what happens? My head never really gets big with pride because I wasn't doing it for you. And watch this, watch this. I never sink into a depressed coma when you don't say nothing because I was never doing it for you. So whenever I minister, it's always to an audience of. So when I told my son that, and he, I mean, he got, if you go to Mobile to this very day, he's on buses to this very day. And that was how long ago? That was 2035 years, not six, six years ago. Six, five or six years ago. Some time ago, he's still on while back. He's still on buses right now. They got pictures of him six years later of buses because he applied this one principle that I told him: man, when you play, play for an audience of one, never for the crowds. So it doesn't matter if it's 300 folk in here or it's three people. I'm gonna give God my best because I'm always ministering to an audience of. So, so what I had to do, man, what I had to do. I had, to, I had to tear down some walls because you don't even understand. I built, I didn't even know, I didn't know my walls were that high. I didn't know that I built up a defense in my own heart. I built up a defense in my own heart because I had made up in my mind, I'll never let another person hurt me. So I was like my sister Rhonda back here who needed a touch from God. But let me tell you what was the issue. I needed God to touch me, but he couldn't touch me. And I didn't understand why he couldn't touch me, because if you God, you're a miracle worker, you ought to be able to do it despite what's going on around me. God, why you won't do something about this pain in my heart? 
and said, God, I need a touch from you. And God began to minister to me. He said, I've been trying to touch you, but you won't let me. What you mean? Here I am, Jesus. Reason you won't let me touch you, because you don't understand how I want to touch you. You don't understand. When I get ready to minister to you, When I get ready to minister to you, y'all just hold it right there. When I get ready to minister to you, always raise up someone, and sometimes they're in your circle of influence and sometimes they're not. And when I minister to you, I'll minister through somebody. But because your walls has been up so high, you hadn't allowed me to minister through nobody. And every time I send somebody, you reject them because you're afraid that they're going to hurt you. When the reality is, it's not even them talking, it's me talking through. I had to let some walls down. And when I let some walls down, God began to send the right people around me. And I know it's crazy because I got some people in here. I got some people that's sitting in these chairs right now. You've been hurt and you've been broken. And some of you guys have gone through some of the worst type of hurt. The worst type of hurt is church hurt. Why? Because, because, oh my God. When you got people in position that so-called represent God, and the very one that represents God wind up going off on you and doing something crazy. Watch this. Not only do you reject, watch this. Not only do you reject the people of God, by default, you start rejecting the God of the people. And God said, you didn't even know when you start rejecting everybody, you was also rejecting me because I, because I still use people. God says, if you open up the door, if, you, if you'll trust me, you trust me. I want to come in, and if you let me come in, I'm going to touch you right in that place. But watch this. There's two types of cut. There's a brutal cut where somebody's trying to mug you and somebody's trying to rob you. There's a, there's a brutal cut, and that's what some of you guys have experienced. But there's also a cut of a master physician. He knows exactly what to take out and what to put in. He knows how deep it needs to be. He knows how long the cut needs to be to put the balm in you that, that's necessary for healing. God wants to do that in somebody's life today. Now watch this. We've been planning this event for several, several weeks, a few months now. And this is what's been happening. We've been praying for you guys. Even this morning, I, I was going over some notes, and, and I just stopped studying. I just started praying for the people that would be here. And I don't believe it's by accident or coincidence that you're here. I believe you're here all, because God has a word that he wants to minister to you. I believe you're here because there's something that God wants to touch on the inside of you that's going to change your life for the rest of your life. This is the only thing that's required of you is to let him touch you. Let him touch you. Let him touch you. at a funeral in Hattiesburg, and um, he's actually not a mentor, just a mentor, he's actually my counselor. When my head gets crazy, scrambled, he's the guy that I actually go to, and, and um, he pulled me to the side. We were at a funeral, so I didn't expect, you know how sometimes you know people don't want to talk about certain things, and so you stay in groups and crowds around them, you never want to be isolated. So whenever we was getting by ourselves, I'd just back up with the rest of the folk. 
But if crowds around him, I could, and, and he comes to me and, and he happened to just catch me. He, he caught me in the kitchen. <laughs> what I was eating was Daniel fast approved, by the way, praise the Lord. <laughs> sort of, kind of. He caught me in the kitchen and he says, Greg, are you, are you still angry at him? I, I knew what he was talking about. And so I did what most folk do. I lied and said, no, I ain't angry. He asked me something that, that changed my path. He says, when was the last time that you prayed for me? Now, that was a deep question because if I pray for him, that means I got to think about him. And if I think about him, it's going to hurt. And he said, have you been praying for him? You know what I did? I lied again. Yeah, sort of, kind of. I said, no, you hadn't. He said, if you pray for him, God will heal you. And there's a possibility he might mend the relationship. So this is what I've been challenged to do. I'm in the same situation right now. I'm being challenged to take down some walls. God can heal me. And I want to challenge you today to entertain the idea that God might be knocking on the door that you think open, but it's really closed. And you won't experience true joy in that area in your life until you allow God to come in and actually touch you there. You can have happiness. Happiness is an emotional response because something happen. But joy is this true spiritual thing that happens on the inside of your heart that only God can give you. And it remains whether you're going through good times or bad times. How many people in here want real true joy? Real, real true joy. If you want real true joy, you're going to have to take down your guards and allow God to touch your heart. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.